Welcome back, podcast listeners. This is the third season of the Bridge Stories podcast. We are your new hosts, Bianca and Nick, both from the class of 2021 at UWC in Mostar. Every Saturday, we'll cover a current global issue through the personal lens of our guests. For now, thanks for being here. We really hope you enjoy. Welcome to the special COVID-19 series of episodes. We apologize for the lack of quality. However, these all had to be done remotely to adhere to uh, social distancing norms. We'll be back to normal shortly. Welcome back to the Bridge Stories podcast. Today, we have a very interesting guest with us today. Could you give your uh, name, age, what college you're going to, and your ethnicity, please? Um, Hello, thank you for inviting me. Uh, my name is Zeynep Bangeren. I recently graduated from United World College in Mostar. I am originally born in Turkey. However, I lived around six years in Malaysia and I am 18 years old. Sorry, 19. Whatever. Thank you for having us here today. Could you give us a brief um, overview on the issue we're going to be discussing today? Um, today, uh, I'll be talking about the corruption issue in Malaysia. Uh, basically, I'll be trying to provide you guys with an insight of what I've experienced during the six years in which I lived in Malaysia. And during those six years in 2008, Malaysia had a very significant elections. It was a turning point for the country's um, history, basically, regarding corruption. So I'll be kind of informing you guys on that. Okay, thank you, Bengi, so much for that. Um, do you think you can talk us through maybe like the elections that were corrupt and, you know, some e- recent examples of what happened that, that where corruption was present? All right. Um, so let me just start first by saying that Malaysia practices parliamentary democracy with a constitutional mo- monarchy. So in simple terms, it has a prime minister while it also has a king. And corruption is a predominant problem with some statistics. It has a corruption score of 52 out of 100, where high scores are means less corrupt. And the main uh, issue was um, basically regarding the former prime minister. His name was Najib Tun Razak, who was involved in uh, basically uh, taking, um, basically using uh, money from the funds for his own personal uh, spendings. And what happened in the 2018 elections was Malaysia overthrew the coalition known as Barisan National, translates into National Front. Uh, And this um, basically this coalition was in power for 61 years, which was since Malaysia declared its independence in 1957. Oh, okay, thank you, Bengi, for that. Um, would can you tell us a bit how um, the youth, especially, reacted to these uh, th- this corruption? Um, so what happened prior to these elections among my friends was um, there was this protests going on. Uh, it was color coded as red shirts and yellow shirts. Uh, yellow shirts were basically uh, a group of uh, people as highly dominated by youngs who were uh, advocating for coalition for clean and fair elections and they were basically organizing nonviolent protests uh, and what they really wanted was for Malaysia's electoral system to be reformed and Najib Razak to uh, step down from his duty he was the former prime minister at the time well, he was the prime minister at the time and However, uh, these uh, this uh, yellow shirts were opposed by uh, pro-Malay red shirt supporters, 
because uh, basically their message was in a way misunderstood and yellow shirts were um, seen as um, anti-Malay, who are the Muslim Malaysians, and anti-Islam group dominated by Chinese. So they were opposed by these red shirts. And eventually, this counter, alongside with this counter movement, uh, the protests kind of got violent and police had to intervene. And what usually was happening among us young was it was a bit, the society was a bit unsettled at the time and we were all a bit worried and we were all just like, let's not wear red or yellow shirts in order to not uh, signify which part of movement we are. But it was, uh, what this movement really meant was for the first time, Malaysians, different ethnicities have really come together uh, to trigger a, significant change in the government's structure, especially regarding the corruption, which was reflected in the elections in 2018. Yeah. Well, that sounds scary. Uh, could you really quickly just tell us what happened in those, like, you said the party switched, but could you tell us like how the new party has um, been dealing with the corruption? All right, so I'm just gonna emphasize this again. Uh, the party that that was uh, defeated during the elections was in rule for 61 years in a row. And the new party that came um, was uh, led by um, the former prime minister now, uh, whose name was uh, Mahathir. And he is the oldest prime minister uh, of, in the world. He was 92. And what he really was aiming was, uh, to, making, to make Malaysia graft free Graft is a, a type of political corruption by 2023. And since he came into power, what he did was he first strengthened Malaysia's anti-corruption commission by making it independent from political influence. And they, he gave it power not only to investigate, but also to prosecute corrupt officials. A national anti-corruption plan was launched in 2019. A year later, the, uh, the elections were held, and it was thoroughly implemented. Yeah. That sounds great. Um, now, you said that they were in power for 61 years. Uh, if I remember correctly, um, Malaysia was under the control of the British Empire, correct? Yes, it was a colony, and then it declared its independence in 1957. Perfect. Uh, do you see a lot of this stuff as a holdover for from the former British rule, rule, or is this just popped up because of uh, other measures? Uh, you mean the corruption, or could you please? Yeah, the corrupt. Yeah, the uh, the corruption. Is it a whole like? Was this like a holdover for? Was the corruption a holdover from the former British rule, or did it pop up based on other circumstances? Um. I believe that it was popped up over time because when Malaysia first gained its independence, um, I don't know how much you know, but Malaysia is a country with diverse ethnicities where the Malays who are the Muslim Malaysians are of a um, large majority of 60%, but the rest minorities are there's Chinese Malaysians and Indian Malaysians. With this diverse ethnicity, when they declared their independence, they were really collective and together and they were trying to express their own identity even it has their own sl slogan of one malaysia what i really think that has happened was things started to go down the go down the drain when along with this uh there was this one mbd scandal uh, i can talk a little a little bit about it 
So with the former prime minister, who was Najib Tun Razak, what he did was he started this National Sovereign Wealth Fund, known as One Malaysia Development. And around $4.5 billion was alloc allocated to this fund with the aims to develop parts of Kuala Lumpur and turn into a financial center and boost the economy. But eventually, this fund had become an international scandal as the money from this fund was illegally used to buy luxuries property, designer jewelry, art, and even, even funded a Hollywood movie, Wolf of Wall Street, where Leonardo DiCaprio was in lead role, fun fact. And it became an international scandal. And um, even the U.S. Justice uh, Council got in, into... Um, into this as well, and Najib Tun Razak was eventually accused of using uh, millions of dollars from this public fund for his own personal account. And this scandal declared was declared as the biggest kleptocracy, as it, as as its worst. And what happened since then was uh, the people's dissatisfaction. The government grew, and they eventually decided to overthrow the existing party and basically voted for a change in the system. Yeah. Thank you so much, Bengi, for that historical overview. That was really in-depth. Thank you. Um, so you talked a lot about the past, but what about right now? Is there still a lot of uh, dispute between the people and the government, or has it become better? Um, what I can tell you is Malaysia's politics still do remain very turbulent. Uh, two years ago, the the eldest president they elect they elected who was 92 years old was recently overthrown as well and i i recently found this information as well he was in my in march 2020 he was taken down uh due to a basically an internal coup that happened and now malaysia has a new prime minister uh however when it comes to people and their satisfaction regarding the government with the change in the party, uh, Malaysia has taken certain steps to really deal with corruption. Uh, however, when people were voting for it, they had really high expectations and they wanted to see immediate results. Um, in the past two years with the new party in ACT, uh, they did, um, I've recently mentioned, they took steps to overcome corruption. However, this, the speed at, at which the progress is taken kind of remains relatively slow uh, to satisfy people's expectations. Well, that sounds like an extremely complex situation. Um, to, to add to the complexity a little bit, as uh, we're currently in a global pandemic, um, what do you see, think the effects that COVID-19 will have on uh, the, this corruption? Will it have any effect at all? Um, will for more or it, will it allow for even like somehow less um, or well, like allow for less corruption? Um, so as you know, I've left Malaysia around two years ago, but what I've, I mean, my parents were still living there and what I've heard from them based on the news is that Malaysia has really dealt with COVID-19 very well. Uh, if, even though there was an internal coup that happened with the governing party, governing party. Uh, right now, Malaysia has around active cases less than 200, and the country is has almost uh, overcome the pandemic situation, and its economy has been improving. Uh, um, regarding when it comes to corruption, how I can say that it's getting better is that Malaysia has been uh, seeing a growing interest uh, regarding foreign investment, 
And as you know, usually businessmen make investment in countries where they see a stable economic background and less corruption. This increasing foreign demand for um, investment in Malaysia by foreigners see tell me that things are kind of getting better. And the country has dealt with the COVID-19 situation pretty well. So what I can see is that Malaysia is currently in a transition stage where it's trying to find a new stable uh, ground for it to further prosper. Thank you so much. And so I'm, I'm so glad that COVID was handled well in Malaysia and that, uh, as, you, as you said, it's becoming a more prosperous and economically strong state. So uh, I gather from what you said, and maybe you can um, further explain. So you you look at Malaysia with a positive kind of outlook. You think, so how, how do you kind of think Malaysia will do in the next 10 years regarding the current uh, political situation, but also with this big COVID uh, crisis as well? Well, I have a definitely a positive uh, perspective. And uh, regardless of this pandemic that we're experiencing right now, what I can tell you is that with the elections, what I've personally uh, felt for the first time after living there for six years is that the different ethnicities really have come together and they were all just like under this their own slogan of One Malaysia. Because prior to that, there, I could say that there was a kind of a division between the Malays, the Muslim Malaysians, and the minorities, the Chinese and the Indian, because the Malays themselves saw themselves as the basically the, uh, the owner of the land, the original ones who stayed there. And with this new elections where they really came together and all they really, I could see this bonding. And with this, the, the gov, regardless of the internal coup that has recently happened, what I can see is that the country has really come together. The people really do not, like they have overcome this, um, uh, their main, main issue of ethno-nationalism. And I can say that it will develop even better in the future. Wow, thank you for this optimistic outlook in this such a bleak scenario as COVID-19. Um, do you have any last thoughts um, on this issue before we um, exit out? Um, I think I've said all I, what I was think, gonna, going to say, yeah. Thank you. All right, thank you so much for uh, coming into the uh, online studio. Um, and thank you for allowing us to ask uh, question you. Or interview you, Maria. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming. I hope everything goes well with you in the future as well. And good luck with everything. Thank you for you guys as well. Good luck. Thank you for joining us today. We really hope you had a wonderful time. Hope to see you next week. Same time, same place. Bye. Bye.